On this episode of the Real Life Carry Podcast, we bring you an interview that was recorded a couple of months ago, while myself and Chris Felix were up in Portland for the Live Golf event. On our way home from the tournament, we took a slight detour to Bandon Dunes and we sat down for a chat with one of Bandon's finest caddies, Jerry Lou. Jerry's carried at Bandon on and off for 20 plus years, and like myself, he's a bit of a talker. In an energetic and entertaining conversation, we cover all things Bandon Dunes, Jerry's caddy experiences, his opinions on golf and caddying, and he tells us the inside scoop on the famous caddy sand touching at last year's US Amateur. If you have any questions or comments, please send them in on social media or via email, podcast at glorifieddonkey.com. Please accept my apologies for the late release of this episode. If I was better organised or drank less Stella and Budweiser, I'm sure regular listeners wouldn't have had to wait an extra couple of weeks for this episode. However, at the end of the day, I am a caddy. Nevertheless, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Episode number 97 of the Real Life Carry podcast. This one is called Welcome to Jerry Lose. Um, I sound awful, but I feel great. I'm here with two two new guys to the podcast. Partner in crime this past week, uh, Chris F- uh, Felix. Howdy. And Jerry Lou. Cheers. Bandon's number one caddy. <laughs> now, now, you, you, you told me. Oh, I might have been the first caddy. I mean, technically, but no, not really. I no. saw that on a billboard. You must have put some money up for yeah, it. Yeah, you did. It was, there's a billboard that says, Bandon Dunes, number one caddy, Jerry Lou. Is it by the airport, at least? or yes, right next to the airport. <laughs> I did hear a story of a caddy once who got fired, who tried to hang on years ago. He was at the airport greeting golfers coming off the plane with like, like almost like a sign, like a limo driver saying like, hey, I'll caddy for you. And, and, and it worked for the first nine holes until management came out and pulled him off the course saying like, nah, no, no. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, he was terminated. He was no longer a caddy. And oh, wow. He, he made it through nine holes. I thought that was pretty good. I was, I was going to say that. That's, you know, very entrepreneurship of him. Wrong airport. Yeah, wrong Or airport. desperate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, this episode of the, the, the podcast is slightly out of. Um, chronological order, and and the fact that we're recording this in July, is it July fifth? July fifth. Yes. Recovering from Fourth of July. Myself, myself, um, and Chris are coming down. We're up at Live Golf, so that's episode I don't know number ninety five, and uh, you know we were so close to Bandon Dunes. I wanted to. I've been talking to you on Twitter for quite some time. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. And this, I was, this Twitter account's been kind of like a second or third go round for me because I really tried to advertise it like, hey, y'all know about Bandon. Either uh-huh. you've been there or you haven't. And if you haven't, you want to go. So I caddy there, you know, hit me up. And yeah, Excellent. Well, I, I, I wanted to come and say hello to you um, and then get your perspective on, on where you work and all about your experiences as, as caddying. So let's crack on straight, straight away. How long have you been caddying at Bandon? That is my favorite question every golfer asks me because every single time... I can say to them with an accurate and straight face, I started back in 99 when the resort opened. That was when I was an eighth grader. Um, I remember spring break that year, my grandmother driving me down to the course every day at 4 a.m. And Monday through Friday, I sat and freebirded every single day. And on Saturday, I got one bag. And that was my first bag ever. And uh, But as a high schooler uh, growing up caddying there, 
doing weekends and spring breaks and summer vacations and skipping school to caddy really I really didn't consider myself a full timer. Like of our first fifty caddies, I think twenty five of us were high schoolers and twenty five were the real OGs and I think twenty of them might still even be there almost. But uh ultimately I uh, left in two thousand three when I graduated high school and I tooled around the country doing a bunch of stuff, mostly golf related, mm-hmm. and um came back in summer of two thousand eighteen to do it full time. Came yep. back to a town nearby Bandon took over the family house because they were going to sell it for what I called Ferrari cup holder change. Like if anyone yeah. heard about this price, they were like, if you heard there was a house for $160,000, what would you do? Yeah. And it's not like I live in a shanty. We're all standing in it right yeah, now. Yeah. It's a decent house that my grandfather built at sound, but that was kind of one of the two prongs. And also it's like, Hey, I used to caddy here. Now they got two more courses. I retrained as I told you a little bit and uh, got back into the swing of things full time, June, 2018. Okay. What, what does training entail? You have to shadow two rounds each course, and by shadowing, that means, <laughs> I didn't even think about this till now, I got a funny shadow story, but you essentially, you, you wear a trainee bib, which is fine. I think bibs are pretty handy. We don't have bibs. We have our white coveralls, which are cheap, and then whatever rain gear you can afford, but um, I wanted to wear the whites right away. I wanted to fit yeah. in, even if I wasn't carrying anything, so I bought a set of whites before I did anything, and you essentially just stand back. You? you had to buy your own? Oh, Yeah. Well, we get we get reindeer sometimes. That could okay. be a whole other crappy conversation or another topic. Yeah. But ultimately, the whites, the our whites are like thirty, thirty five bucks. I mean, I buy like one set a year. I'm not too hard on them. But ultimately, um, you have to just stand in the background and absorb. As I told you earlier, it's mostly about learning the routing. Like, yeah. mostly where do you walk after the green to the next tee? Because if you get lost, you could screw up your golfer's time and screw up the rest of the course and the tee sheet. So, but uh, my one funny shadow story in terms of. I brought a yardage gun with me. I wanted to be helpful. I can give a yardage if I'm standing there. I don't know how the hills or the wind is at the time, but I remember distinctly being under this very veteran caddy, and he's a nice enough guy. He's a, he, and he and I don't talk or whatever, and he doesn't listen to this, but maybe somebody listens who will get to him, but, so I'm not going to say his name, but <laughs> I remember he was double bagging for this couple, and the lady, it was on Old McDonald, and the lady was standing over to the left edge of the fairway, and I shot the yardage, and I told her it was like 90-something, and all I said to her was, I played here yesterday. If you hit it way up left on the hill, it's not very good. Ha ha. And she laughed too. And then I look over and this caddy comes over and he's like screaming at me. He's like, don't talk to my golfer. And I'm just like, wow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's like, don't you ever talk to my golfer. And even she said, be a shadow, oh, he was just, be a shadow. Exactly. Even she said, oh, he was just giving me the yardage. I'm like, yeah, I was just giving the yardage. He's like, don't you ever talk to the golfer. Wow. So for the rest of my shadow rounds, I'm like, I'll just like Homer back into the hedges. I'll just yeah. stand in the back and not talk for five hours. And, and for, that and was training. And for the rest of your time here, you'll never talk to him again. Uh, well, be a mime. Be a mime. Chris, uh, you're, a, you're a caddy as well out in Arizona, correct? Yep, I, uh, I got the white bibs on as well over at Whisper Rock. Uh-huh. Did you have to do a shadow loop? I did a shadow loop. It was, um, it was a single, single loop, and I was just kind of out there just yeah, watching, following along, pretty much there just for, just for routes and kind of see how it is because that was my first... Um, caddy country club job yeah. so yeah you know what's so funny is i've been caddying for almost 30 years and like kodiak who does a lot of the work for us he he actually shadowed with me now i made sure and told my players because i knew them i says listen this kid's learning today he's taking care of you two i was a four caddy for four i'm like he's here to learn so any any you know if i'm someone shadowing me 
I'm going to make life as easy as possible on myself. Oh, yeah. Our and shadows, our shadows we it. tell them right away, you grab all pins, yeah. you rake all bunkers, and sometimes they even don't or whatever, <clears throat> but mostly just listen and pay attention. I mean... Yeah, 100%. It's the only way you learn. And then I make sure and say, hey, listen, maybe give them a little something for the effort. And, well, and, and that's, they, that's what I lived off of, dog. When I moved back yeah. here, I had zero scratch to my name. And luckily, a couple caddies that I'd shadow for would give me 20 bucks. And that was like $10 a gas. That doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And like some beer money for a couple of days. Like literally, I was just like, oh, thank you. That $20 is a oh, gun set. Well, I, I mean, never I never paid them. My players pay, paid them. Some players I've seen oh. do that. But then I've seen, <laughs> we had this one great cat. His name's Matthew. He uh, caddied at, he's a younger fellow. He caddied at St. Andrews and King's Barnes. And he came over here. I've heard of that. I've just heard to of see them. what's, <laughs> yeah, oh, let me pick those up. Uh, just to see what's going on. And um. He was such a go-getter that he did all, this is a sheep ranch, so we had 10 shadow rounds, two for each course, five courses. He did them all in ten, uh, five days. Yeah. Like, boom, 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 boom. And I remember being with him in one of the afternoon rounds when we were short of caddies when sheep ranch opened. He got to carry two bags. And I, like, they were all looking at me, being kind of the senior guy at the time, or at least with an earshot, saying, like, is this okay? I'm like, look, as so long as the golfer's happy, and they like him, and they want to pay him, who cares? At least our, even our director knows, is the golfer happy? Well, that's the point. Yeah. I looked at it like, well, I'm not going to get in trouble, but I've never, he's wearing his trainee bib and he just threw two bags on. I'm like, well, this is not a first, but for take initiative, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing it anyway. Might Plus, as well he start. Was, he was a pro. He was really good at it. Like, I mean, he, yeah. he didn't miss a beat. I mean, yeah. uh, do you guys wear white jumpsuits at Whisper, correct? We got white jumpsuits. Do you prefer that? Compared to not Oops. knowing that before, but yeah, I'd, um, seeing the guys at Pebble, it looks, I like, I like kind of having a uni and multiple pockets to be able to carry whatever. Mm-hmm. Wear whatever, whatever you want got. underneath. Yeah. Well, we, we, we can wear shorts now, which is a game yeah. changer. Well, a I did see game changer. coming off this Wisconsin trip, I just took a lot of our caddies. Granted, when we were there, it was 95 degrees in June. <gasps> now, I've never been there, so I just assume yeah. this is how summer is around the Great Lakes. But even they said, oh, it's about 10 degrees warmer than normal. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. But all the caddies, I mean, they were wearing shorts and had the big white hats, and there was like mm-hmm. water stations on every other hole. I'm like, yeah, you need this. I yeah. mean, when I go to SoCal and golf, I'm I'm griping. I mean, I'm a Pacific Northwest golfer. I'm not yeah. proud of it, but I mean, I'm used to it. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> I tell you what, it's beautiful up here. I hadn't been up here in 15 years. It's, Absolutely it's, incredible. It's America's jungle. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Now, Bandon Dunes itself, how many golf courses do they now have? Or could you give us a little history? When it opened, who designed it? And how many courses there are now and when they were sort of built? We have um, five 18-hole courses, one 13-hole par 3 course, uh, a putting course. And during certain days of the week, when the range shifts from the south to the north, we have a free 9-hole par 3 course at the range called Shorties. But during weekdays, it's only three holes because they move the range to the south. Because okay. you're essentially playing on driving range greens. Now, don't get me wrong. It's fun. You need every like wedge and iron in your bag because all the yards mm-hmm. are different. But it's still free and... Whatnot, but the first course, Bandon Dunes, was built in 1999 by David McClay Kidd. The second course, I always mess this up. It's 2001, Tom Doak Pacific Dunes, and then 2005 was Bandon Trails, mm-hmm. um, the only course not on the ocean, yeah. the Woodland Course, which incidentally winds up being everyone's second favorite course. Everyone has a different favorite for different reasons, but Trails, mm-hmm. which is the course, it's a Woodland Course. You can put it in any state in the country, but. It's everyone's second favorite. I think it's my current favorite right now. But um, Trails was built by Core Crenshaw in uh, 2005, 2010. Old Mac opened, Old McDonald, which is um, a Tom Doak course with help with uh, Jim Urbina. And it's meant to have, I think, 14 or 15 of the holes at Old McDonald are template holes from CB McDonald designs, like things from New York, things from Chicago, things mostly from across the pond. I wish I had the sheet in front of me because mm-hmm. it's a lot of writing. I'd have to memorize a lot yeah. more stuff. And then 
That was 2010. The Preserve, which is a par 13 hole, par three course, opened in 2012. And that's a fun time because you can play up to an eight some out there and right. play in like two hours or less. And it's just like, you know, a drunk fest or like, you know, party time or whatever. I, I think I'm about 99% sure that was a core Crenshaw, but it's a par three. Um, and then Sheep Ranch opened officially 18 holes in 2020. However, 13 holes of Sheep Ranch, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. 13 holes of Sheep Ranch actually has been in existence since the early 2000s. Tom Doak built 13 holes up there. And there was a special number that you would call that would go to the superintendent. We call oh, it the bat phone. This, yeah. And you and four bu- three buddies would go up there and meet him at the gate and pay him 100 bucks a piece. And you would go out and play the 13 holes out there. No routing. All match play style like, it's, like it was in England forever. Yeah. For 400 years before America and our tour and our TVs got a hold of golf. Yeah. It was all you versus me. You beat me on the hole. You take two steps away from the hole. And you pick the next target. There is no par. It's just one-on-one. And you get to reserve the course for the whole day because it's dangerous and you're making up your own routing. So Doak built the first 13, 13 holes out there. Not many people know about that. Core Crenshaw are the build architects for the final 18. And even our director of golf at the time called it a golf course enhancement, which he even said this might be the first time that's ever happened. I mean, those are just, those, those are just you know, words to me. <laughs> we, we should also explain there's a lot of listeners who are not from you know, the West Coast of America. They're from all over the world. Um, we are located where exactly? We're on the southern coast of Oregon, about two hours north of the California border, about one mile away from Interstate 5, pretty much like the lifeline of the whole West Coast, and Portland, Oregon, the major city, which is way north, is about five hours away. Yeah. And we're eight hours north of San Francisco. I mean, that's kind of yeah. our geographical triangulation. Okay. The PNW. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Okay. Now, Sheep Ranch is the, the, the latest one to open. We see a lot of the, the logo there, the SR with the, what is it? It's, it's got a shepherd's crook. Shepherd's I, crook, yeah. A lot of people love that logo. I said I could have made it on Microsoft Word because I, <laughs> I saw they had, like the, not the contest, but the voting for the, the logos. And yeah, a lot of the leaders look like Rams Hill or something or whatever, yeah. but one of the logos I liked that wouldn't make sense was they had this old two-seater fire truck that used to water out there because they didn't have irrigation or sprinklers. It was an old fire pumper would drive around and water the grounds. And that, I, that should have been the logo. That yeah. really should have been the logo. Copyright it right now before someone it's, takes it. The, the fire pumper is still up there parked by maintenance. I don't know if they're going to put it somewhere or put uh-huh. it on display, but I mean, the pumper's still there. I mean, I've seen it. Is the season up here all 12 months a year? It is. We, we do call ourselves like seasonal and that like from June 1st on, it's, it's very windy. It's always windy, but the wind blows the clouds away and you have sunshine, typically. Not, say, not today. That's bullshit. No, no. No, I, I, I caddied 18 at Windshield Sheep. wipers on max is the drive-in. I, I, I caddied at 18 at Sheep Ranch this morning, and it was a lot better than they said it was going to be, but it's still... I was the only caddy wearing rain gear, and yeah, I was hot, but I was a little prepared. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you, the, the season, the, the main season's uh, beginning of June until when? I'd say June 1st till... And God, everyone on Twitter eviscerates me for this, because they're like, I've had nice days in spring. Like, spring is yeah. the worst season. It's monsoon season out here, spring. Really? It just is. Yeah, you can have nice weather any time of year, but it's spring is just the worst. I know because I grew up here playing high school golf and it was in spring mm-hmm. and it just it just blew chunks. But ultimately, um, you can get really, really good weather to October 1st. Heck, you can get weather. I remember playing golf on December 21st and I was so warm that I took my hat off and I was just wearing a polo yeah. and slacks when the sun was setting because if the wind and the elements aren't there, it's nice weather. But January sneaky nice. The winter can be rough around here, but when it's not, the winter is actually really, it's like 50 degrees and lovely. 
So do you work 12 months a year? Oh, yeah. I work six, seven days a week whenever I can. Carts? No? Why? They, well, uh, let's let's say why not in the first place. Cause, yeah. um, or any or anything of mobility. When we played up in Vancouver, we took some some uh, some motorcycles out there. Just yeah. anything oh, yeah. anything to help. Yeah. yeah, yeah, anything to help like people that because whenever they do a lads trip, it could be four or five days, and and nobody I mean, walks at their home club ever usually. Yeah, you get some. Guy. Yeah, doing thirty six holes for a couple of days, and you you really channel out half the clientele just by having only be walking it really ultimately mr kaiser's whole view was and i think it it kind of harkens back to him being a um a former caddy too when he was a youngster just like his the whole motto for, for the golf resort is golf as it was meant to be so ultimately he just doesn't want to see vehicles out there like you know whether it's marshall's we don't have a drink cart there is no beverage cart uh to be found on any of our courses we do hit the snack bar yeah. at least twice around for every because even Bandanoons, the original course, is the only one where you go back after nine to the turn. Every mm-hmm. other course, you go out for eighteen, and when you're, you're off eighteen, back you're back to the home. So, uh, if you get the appropriate medical paperwork, you can get a cart. However, and this is what irks half the golfers to get a cart because that's all they wanted was if you get a cart, you have to hire a caddy. Half the golfers don't want a caddy. So this makes things already old and crotchety to begin with. I mean, if I'm not painting a good enough picture for you, yeah. there. like how how many how many uh, or what percentage of golfers actually take caddies up here? Depends on the time of year, because our green since we're open twelve months a year, our greens fees shift drastically. Like prior to inflation, I and I don't know what the greens fees are like at any given time, the ultimate cost. But I mean, during the winter time, it was a hundred dollars to play eighteen holes at Bandon Dunes. Our caddy fees don't change. Yeah. So I always I already know the psychology of it's hard to convince. These, and I call them locals. They're all from Seattle and San Francisco because they can get here quickly. But Ooh. if you can pay 100 bucks for a round of golf, why yeah. would you pay me 100 plus the caddy for yeah. you too? Because yeah. they don't prorate or change our rates, which I'm glad they don't. But ultimately, it's, it's a lean time of year. Like I've really strove, and I'm getting close to doing it finally, where I want to make enough in a year where I can take December 1st through March 1st off and just take requests. Yeah. Like, and it's not really out of reach considering the volume because during the summertime, the percentage of golfers that take caddies, it's over 50%. Okay. It's probably not 75%, even though in my heart of hearts, I feel like it's 75%, but it's probably lower. Okay, well, like we, myself and Chris actually discussed this in the car. Our demographic, where I work, could be slightly different to here. And uh, I, I carry for a lot of uh, portly gentlemen that, like I love cars. You know, I've got to be honest, you know, we we do love golf carts because... The bags are always too heavy. Oh yeah, yeah. And those spyglass guys had weird standards. Like I'd be like, I wish we had that poundage limit or whatever. We're like, oh, you want to change it out at twenty five? We start changing out like thirty five plus because we just know they're all that heavy. I mean, you just deal with it. I I I personally think a golf bag. No, the 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 difference, and we mentioned this. The difference here is that you could get the rain, so you have to have rain gear, umbrellas. Rain gear is not out of the ordinary here. I mean, the forecasting is pretty accurate, but I mean, usually golfers are asked, they'll be like, should I take my rain gear today? We'll be honest with them if they need to or not, knowing that my favorite quote is every ounce counts. I mean, it doesn't matter. That's why I I pride myself when I flew to Hawaii years ago, their rule was in your golf travel bag, you can only put your shoes in there and a dozen golf balls. You can't load it up with other clothes or whatever. With my travel bag, shoes, and all my clubs, 29.5 pounds with my travel bag. I mean, mean, anyone who like has a heavy bag or can't get their bag lighter... You're not doing it right. Like, I've played the same martini for 16, 18 months, and I carry a backup. Like, you don't need to have 15,000 of everything in your bag 
I, I think I think Jennifer listens at some point because that's what's always in her bag. She's got like you know oh. ten million band aids, which yeah. you don't need, but ten million to anything adds up. <laughs> yeah, no, I just feel as if there's a lot of players that potentially won't come here because of the cart situation, and certainly afternoon rounds where they might be able to, you know, you can at least manage eighteen, but then you go around again, you're like, well. Yeah, it's, I don't know it, if I can make it again. And it's strictly it's strictly a medical thing, which if you yeah, set it up, you have it's an ADA thing. You have all the paperwork, and and they and so long as you have everything lined up, they don't say no. Yeah. Well, we had a problem when we like when we opened up Sheep Ranch a couple of years ago. When I said we haven't had that huge influx of caddies, like back when we only had like 300, 350. Yeah. Now we have about five hundred, and you're joking. Oh yeah, five hundred caddies at least, dude. We we have new trainees I still every day. What we it's in July. We still have trainees every day. I still I see two I see two green bibs every day. Where are they coming from? I don't know. And and furthermore, the ocean's huge. Look, look west. The ocean's huge. They just they must because I mean, swim take, on in. take it from a local. There's no housing around here. Like I don't. And people ask me where can you rent, and I'm like I don't know. I've lived in two or three houses in this town when I've lived here. I don't know what I know. The it's on situation a, is. It's on a lottery base, correct? There is employee housing, but there's a it, there's a waiting list. I, yeah. It's not lottery based. Okay. But but I mean, but if I was like single and didn't live in this house, oh, you betcha I'd be an employee housing. It's Hashtag like, van life. Bingo. Ex- are, are there, need I say more? <laughs> is, is that what a lot of guys do, vans? Oh, no, not really. I have no idea what these youngsters are doing. Like, I, it's to the point now where, like, all the dating apps are for. You go find a local and uh, I walked into the K Shack this morning and I saw like 10 guys sitting in the cafeteria area and I went over to sign in the computer in the lounge area with the chairs and there's like 10 guys in there. And there was this like slightly newer guy that I knew. Um, signing in and i just said to him like todd i don't recognize anyone in here but i said it loud enough for everyone to hear yeah. but not that it mattered because it's just like oh these are these are kids it doesn't matter if yeah they seem to be pairing the new people with each other and like the vets with each other so it's like well until i work with the new kids i don't care i mean mm-hmm. like i you got five hours to chat and yeah. figure it out then what, yeah. what, what is the average round up here how long does it take now that's a funny question because they enforce the 420 pace of play which I always say, you know what? The local dog minutes. track down the street enforces the same. There's a universal speed limit for pace of play in America that I don't abide by because it's like abandoned. We got the elements, and then you, all you need is one crappy foursome to screw up the sheet. But they say 420. I would say a general average because we have tag marshals. And I've seen the data. It's like 430, 435, probably. This group I'm working with right now, our longest round has been 410. And then when we were waiting on the group in front of us, like things can be pretty crisp. You can get with the right golfers, but mm-hmm. it's not unheard of to have five hour rounds. And I mean, that's when you get in the dregs. Gordon I mean, would love that. Oh, Gordon would take five any day. I'd take five any day of the week. Why, do you only work one round a day or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's, you know, like, when you start, so you guys up here do 36 all the time. Right, you're going twice a day. We do what we're assigned. So you guys, it, it, so it all depends. Like if you came as a golfer, yeah. Like this current request I have, they're they're lovely people, but they essentially at first just scheduled 18 a day, and all the rounds were at 8 a.m. They did that because they didn't want to put on extra rounds, and like they said, they didn't want to screw me if they took them off. I was like, oh no, if you work 18 holes and you tell the caddy that you don't need them that afternoon, we have half a day. We're yeah. we're, we're skipping to our car. Like, yeah. oh cool. I don't yeah. care if I miss out on a few bucks, but I mean, you get a break. But um. Like if you come into golf and you want to play 36 in a day and you want to caddy, I'm doing 36 unless I have, God forbid, a previous engagement or something happens. But it's like, I'm doing whatever you're telling me to do. I'm working all the rounds that you want to you're work with. You're with them with the me. whole weekend. Exactly. I, I always tell a lot of golfers, I'm with you until something terribly political or personal happens between us and I get fired. <laughs> Those are really the only two things that could happen. And if they're staying on property, are you allowed to stay at like, I, I've heard that if they're staying on property, the caddy's with you pretty much through your whole kind of experience. 
Yeah, for the golf, yeah. yeah, we're not in their rooms or anything yeah, with them. See, that's, that's getting very personal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, uh, I mean, everybody has their prize. Hey, to, and to be fair, because golfers ask me all sorts of questions about menus and where to eat, and yeah, yeah, me and Jennifer eat there a lot or whatever. I get a lot of questions about the lodging there, and I told them honestly, guys, I've only been in one room once, and that's because I was hanging out with a caddy who was my ride home, and he was hanging out with his golfers. Yeah, so I've only seen the inside of one bungalow. I mean. Yeah. I have no, I have no clue what the amenities are. I mean, I'm a local. I go yeah. back to my house. Yeah. <laughs> How far is the course from here? Twenty, twenty-five minutes. Um, I'm just wondering where all these people are staying. There's a lot of trees. I bet you there must be a lot of caddy tents out there. <laughs> well, that's that's probably where all the tweakers live, the non-caddies. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we we actually have a series of break-ins going right now. Really? At the Sheep Ranch Caddy parking lot. My truck got broken into. Uh, not that I remember, but April fourteenth, and um, between four thirty and four forty-five p.m. But I guess. Uh, another caddy got a brand new truck two weeks ago and oh. just the other morning morning it, my truck was the last one there and it got broken into like target opportunity i'm not saying i understand it but i see why my truck got broken into perfect but he showed up at like 7 a.m 6 30 a.m was the first one of the lot and he got his truck busted into and some caddy said they saw they, they've seen a tweaker hiding in the woods he's riding a black bmx he's got slightly long blonde hair and a little blonde goatee if you hear this there's an APB app for him. That sounds, that sounds like Chris. <laughs> I just died. Heard the caddy I was working I just with died today. He's okay about now. to put a wanted posters. <laughs> really? You, you know when you said, do you have any other caddies that would be yeah. fun to bring on? Yeah. The caddy I was with, Brown Bear, I love him to death, but yeah. oh my God, I talk a lot. I wouldn't get a word in edgewise with that guy. Yeah. Oh, he, he's amazing. He's done everything, but... You need a separate show with that yeah. cat. <laughs> you, you need to, you, well, you need to find out where all these, these, uh, these caddies are staying, because this, this is... I, I'm blown away. It's, it's, it's not my problem, but it, I guess <laughs> well, true. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, it'll help you. Just yeah, you just you kind of buy their place and just rent it out to everybody. Yeah. Well, I tell and I tell you what though, honestly, this house it's a nice house my grandfather built. If I wasn't with Jennifer and we weren't like trying to start a family unit in this nice square footage here, I have two whole bedrooms here yeah. that I guarantee you I would rent out to two other caddies for five hundred bucks a pop. Yep. I mean, in a heartbeat, and that pays yeah. for the taxes and the rent easily. I yeah. Mean, now, uh, five golf courses. I guess you probably need, do need 500 caddies. That, that kind of makes sense. Everything's disproportionate there. I mean, it, it's yeah. kind of like how inflation works, dog. Not, all, not everything went up at the same time. It's like we built a new 18. Oh, we forgot to make a place with beds or extra caddies. Now we got yeah. more caddies. And now they're starting to build a few more beds. I mean, like, things are like just... how, how big is this property? Because I, I was up here about 15, 16 years ago. I've and heard numbers of the acreage, and I, I can't put a number on it. I, I would be mistaken. Like, are we talking from, like, it must be from one side to the, the other. It must be Okay, let me, let me put it this way. From 16 Green at Bandon Dunes, which is the southernmost uh, cliffside ocean golf, all the way to number one green at Sheep Ranch, which is the northernmost cliffside golf, it's two miles of coastline golf alone. And then Bandon Trails geographically extends south of that. So, I don't know. I've heard the numbers for acreage, but... Mr. Kaiser owns so much property in this county, period, that it, it's really hard to estimate. And th th now, there's never been a, a, a big tournament up here, has there, really? <laughs> you had the <laughs> U.S. Amateur. And US, that's probably U.S. Junior coming up? And that, yeah, that's coming I, I actually, I got a. I, I, I was going to ask if you had a loop for that. I do. It's uh, a local guy, his friends from Kansas. They texted me all of a sudden and said, My 16 year old son's playing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking forward to it, but I got to sign jury duty. Which I don't mind. I, I I I've never had jury duty before. It's that damn BMX biker. Yeah, some tweaker. <laughs> oh man, maybe maybe I, will, maybe I will drop the bag Guilty. and take the case. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, um, I saw like when I got home from the trip and I opened my mail, I saw something from the county circuit court. I'm like, oh crap! Mm -hmm. And I opened it. And it's like you got jury duty the 18th through the 29th of July. And I'm like, and I looked at Jennifer. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And she's like, that's when the junior am is. I'm like, oh, that's not good. So I got to either pretend I'm racist or call him or yeah. something. Yeah. I don't know. Have yeah. Jennifer take it. 
Well, look, hey, like, on, in, in all fairness, looking around this area, you you probably don't have to pretend around here. <laughs> I just don't want my I don't want my local peers to label me as anything that I'm not just because yeah. I'm lazy or I want to do something else. We, we just drove past the uh, the Coos County Jail. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I bet you that's I bet you a bunch of guys are staying there. I bet you a bunch of the caddies. <laughs> It's probably cheaper. Say, hey, you probably get free meals. I spent a few hours in the drunk tank there once. You have? Well, it was it was my one DUI I had, which was because I had bad tags in my car. And then when I rolled down the window, I even I remember when the stadium came up behind me, it was like a block from the jail. (laughs) We were just driving home casually, and he lit me up. And my first words were, "Oh, honey, I gotta I gotta get out of the stater's way. He's he's going to get somebody." And oh, it was me. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I stupid me, we were driving the car for forty five minutes. I wasn't like intoxicated or anything, but we'd both been. She was drinking more than me. I was. I had a couple beers golfing forty five minutes away. So when I rolled down the window, the officer said, "Like you know, it's like I just smelled booze." I'm like, "Yeah, shit, yeah, you probably did." Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then everything unfolded from there. But it was ironic. I could see the jail. As I was like doing the whole, yeah, <laughs> and now he did his job. You didn't have to. You didn't have to tell you in. Do you get a lot of stories in the mornings where guys are like, "Oh yeah, such and such isn't going to make it to work today." Usually, the people who would say that can barely talk in the first place. Uh-huh. And it's funny you say that because in Coos Bay, which is the biggest town in this county, Coos Bay North Bend's about twenty two thousand people, and the next biggest town is where we're sitting right now at three thousand people. Like this is a county of villages. Like that's why yeah. I said, "Welcome to nowhere, fellas." Mm-hmm. So. There's one strip club in Coos Bay. It's the only strip club on the Southern Oregon coast. I used to want to like start a, a TV show called Strip Club Rescue, like John Taffer's Bar Rescue. Like, why not? <laughs> we all want drinks and good music and to see pretty ladies, whatever. I mean, it's like it's it's an it's an it's an industry. I've even gone to really crappy strip clubs on purpose for sport, just to like go in there and be like, watch watch her. She's gonna dip. She does this thing with her knee. Okay, then she walks three steps. She does it again. Man, she's bad. Then she looks like she's got a five head. Anyways, um. Ultimately, one morning, I'm at the shack having breakfast with this one kid, and uh, we got there before anyone else, and everyone who started streaming in from Coos Bay North Bend, which is about 40 minutes away from Bandon, they said, uh, it's the name of the place that the Bachelor's in. They're like, yeah, the Bachelor's Inn's on fire. And we're just like, what? What? Like, yeah, the Bachelor's Inn is burning down, and which is sad. It's really sad in general for like, you know, yeah. whoever's interested. But at the same time, we couldn't stop like laughing morosely about the one strip club oh, is like yeah. on fire right now and burning down. And then I talked to one of my one of my buddies. It's uh, got four stars. <laughs> out of how many? Six? <laughs> Wait, they have like one rating? <laughs> like one review? But um, a caddy, I'll say his name, Nate Keen. He's a great guy. I remember him back 20 years ago. Like we were about similar age. He's a few years older than me. So he was like 20 when I was 16 caddying. And uh, he just, he always looks beat up. Like he just always looks tired and wrung out. Normal and, wear and tear. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he just looks like, yeah. So I was talking to him and he just, I was just like, hey man, did you hear the Bachelor's Inn's on fire? We're having smokes out back. And he's just like, yeah, me and Baptist were there last night. We shut the place down, but they kicked him out and they still got my credit card. I'm like, oh, well, then you're good. <laughs> But in terms of like stories yeah. coming in the morning, that was like oh, the most yeah. best recent one I could think of was, oh, not only is the one strip club on fire, I'm talking to one of the two guys who were there last night who tried to close the place down, but he didn't <laughs> get kicked out. <laughs> I, I, I remember when we did stay up here the, the first night, we stayed in a, in a motel in Coos Bay, and uh, I was just off the plane from San Francisco. So my brother and Big Tony picked me up in San Francisco, and we drove straight up here. So... We get to Coos Bay, stay in a motel, and I've I've got the jet lag. So about two o'clock in the morning, I wake up bright awake, and I walk down to the reception, and I said, "Oh, is, is the hot tub? Is it open? Can I go in?" And the guy goes, 
hey, dude, I don't think you want to do that. So <laughs> it goes, it goes, what do you sling? What does the goes, sling blade behind the goes, desk? I, th- I, th- I think someone took a shit in there. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to leave that. We're going to go back to bed. But, six things I thought of it could be. That wasn't yeah, was one the, of them. So, and then this is, this is what I can all, only tell you. Is we're walking through Coos Bay the following day, and someone threw the biggest piece of chewing gum. They obviously had like maybe seven or eight pieces of chewing gum in their mouth. Saw me. Because I was, I was wearing like this, I don't know, this little gay hat. A kilt? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that, that would have, I would have probably blended in up here with that. But I remember, I, get, I thought someone had shot me. And I was like, oh, I got hit in the chest with something. And I was like, what is it? And I look in the ground, it says, piece of big, big piece of chewing gum. And I hear these rednecks driving past in a truck laughing out the window. Um, and then that strip club you're talking about, I think it, it, it lost the S and the T from the sign. It just said Rip Club. <laughs> Would that be right? Does that ring a bell? Because that's, that's I'll, I'll ask some people, but I have no ask idea. That, but that, cause this is this is circa two thousand five. Okay, um, back when it existed. I need to. I, I do. I do need to get back to my still C sections and bullet holes. Oh, yeah, the JV crowd. Oh no, that's varsity. I think. <laughs> I need to get back to my original question about. There's been no big tournaments up here, correct? Oh, I, yes. I don't. I don't. I don't like. I'm talking like a major event, a tour event, or a. A, a major U.S. Open, a PGA Championship, etc. So I heard 20 years ago, and not much has changed in the county infrastructure-wise. I mean, that's kind of one of the sad, depressed economic things of this area is back when, like, Banadoons opened, if we were going to have a tour stop there, just call it the John Deere or whatever, all the lodging in the county would have handled the press alone for a tour event. And this is back in 1999. Wow. Yes, we had the amateur. We had the four ball before that. We've had some mid-ams. I think we had a Curtis Cup or a, and or a Walker Cup as well come through. And Band of Dunes does have a schedule on their website through 2040. They do have something going on every year. But when the amateur hit, and that was going on during COVID too, which sucked because my boy, Jack, he, uh, the rules for COVID was you can only bring two people as part of your team or entourage. And me as a local caddy, I counted as part of his entourage. So he only brought his dad, his brothers golf, his parents follow him. Like he's got his own little team with him and his like brothers are just as good as him. But ultimately I really didn't want the resort to bend over backwards for the amateur during COVID to be like, what if this just turns wrong and we turn into a spreader or something? This is the biggest event we're going to have for a while. And this could really shut us down if we, if it doesn't go properly. And it's just, pardon my French, just a freaking amateur. Yeah. It's a great tournament, but I mean, unless you're yeah, really you're playing that, golf, you don't, I mean, you don't mean anything if you play in one of those. No, <laughs> I played in one of them. Oh, you did? Which one? Uh, 2013 at Brookline. Oh, the Fitzpatrick year, as if we didn't mm-hmm. hear that 20 times. Oh, who, who's that? Yeah. Hey, I did say on Twitter, can we call him Mr. Brookline? Because evidently, like the two events that have been here this century, he's dominated. That was pretty neat. It was you very can, cool. Do you not recognize that he came second? <laughs> he was running up. Second to last. <laughs> <laughs> what was he told me you shot in the front front nine, back nine? Uh, 33.50. That's, I tell you what, that's... Yeah. That's it you, should have been 33.48. I got a two-stroke penalty <laughs> on the last hole because my dad caddied for me, but... What did he do? He actually caddied for me, so I know you're only allowed to take advice from one person, so I had my actual caddy, and then I wanted my dad to caddy for me on, on my last hole that I'm playing. So my dad just carried my bag, and my caddy's still following me. I told him not to, like, F off, but I'm like, I know I can only take advice from one person. I want my dad to, like, oh. he, he can hand me the wrong club. I don't, I, like, Definitely. I'm out of it right now. Like, I can go down, we can look at a sprinkler head, but our caddy's still kind of following along with us, and so I taught my drive into the walkway before the fairway. And then I hit a five iron to like probably 200, 200 yards out. 
And then um, my dad's holding my bag. He had me like, like a five iron. And my caddy like throws up. He lo- he opens up his book, picks up some grass, and I'm like not paying any attention to him. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was like 18. The pin was just short of that ridge. So I guess, I mean, it's uphill. I can't see. I hit like a five iron, rolls up the hill and rolls up to like a couple inches for what I would think would be par right before I can go and tap it in or get to the green. One of the guys was like, hey, we're going to need to talk to you in the tent. I'm like, okay, uh, can you wait till I finish my hole first, please? And so when we got in the tent, they're like, yeah, we saw that you got like some outside advice. Um, we're going to have to assess you a two-stroke penalty. I'm like, okay, you can change my 81 to an 83 real quick. If you guys want to, if you want to do that, might as well go ahead. But like, I mean, I, I, in integrity or just like, a, yeah. I'm like, I'm not paying any attention to them. My other playing partners are like, what the hell are these guys up to? But yeah. Wow. Um, 33.50 though. 33.48 regardless. <laughs> Did you hit the crack pipe or something? Uh, on 10t no i mean you saw how i played this week if you miss a fairway out there like my dad was out there taking pictures um i was wearing some high top nikes i'm in the first cut you can't even see the top of my shoes that that course is just Uh uh-huh do you know about uh know know the caddy who touched the sand at the u.s amateur up here i was really afraid you'd ask that Um, why it was you Yeah, you know, considering how the story plays out, I actually wish it was me. Um, it's it's kind of a sad tale, <clears throat> especially it's called Jerry's trap now. It really, <laughs> it really, it, it's it's a, it's a testament to show how shitty of a friend I am, and also basically, long story boring. Uh, the caddy Brant, he's he was a newish caddy, like really new. I think he'd been working just about a year or maybe eight months prior to the amateur. He started in November the year before, and he was a grinder working every day. I yeah. saw him freebird in the wintertime. He got he was a good caddy. He did it like Can I can I interject? Oh yeah, sure. When you say freebird, you mean riding pine on the bench. Yes. So you guys have a different term than Yeah. That. Sorry, yeah, we have different nomenclature. Love we that. uh Love the that. technical term is free agent. Free, free agent le- you put your name on the free agent list. That's what all the managers and our director will say. But we call it freebirding too. I mean, I'm I know the song reference, but I mean I that's about yeah. it. But uh Okay. So Brant, um, he's a great guy because like I just I always caught him in the smoke pit and like we were just good buddies and we always like had good rapport and uh, turns out we're about the same exact age and he's from like an even smaller village called Bridge. Like you you if you came from I five to here you passed Bridge you might have blinked and you missed it. We it's missed like it. four houses. Yeah. yeah. But but I didn't know where he went to high school. So like I kind of had this close bond to him and he and I were like close. I say were because I haven't talked to him uh, in a long time. But um we were pretty close in that. I remember he he was he got picked to be an amateur, and uh, I was working for somebody that I know who luckily got in, so that was cool. But ultimately, um, we we got our COVID tests together, and he was all nervous and stuff. I'm like, Brand, just relax, you know. It's like he was just he seemed like a nervous yeah. kid doing all this, and not saying that adds up to anything because I do have an inside story that not too many people know. This is, might be breaking in terms of, like the precedent that led up to why he touched the sand or that situation, but. I remember after we got our COVID test, he's like, hey, Jerry, let's go to the pro shop. I need to help me pick out some new hats for the amateur. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he, I helped him pick. I remember people even busting his balls online saying, that's the stupidest hat I ever saw. I'm just like, I helped him pick out that hat and I own that hat. That's a good hat. Yeah. You shut your mouth. So uh, what happened was Brant, I'll, I'll set you up with the precedent of what happened because he, um, on that, the, the occurrence of him, he, well, I guess we should say it up front that he touched the sand. He he jumped down into the sand on 18 green side in the final uh, the final hole of Strafacci versus uh, his guy Olive uh, Segundo. And um, earlier on the back nine on hole number 11, 
Brant was, uh, Segundo hit into a bunker and Brant was with his gun trying to get a yardage around the bunker. And Segundo said, hey, jump in the bunker and shoot the yardage if you want to. And Brant looked over at an official and said, can I do this? Like he was making sure. And the official's like, like lazily like, yeah, yeah, of course you're playing. Yeah. And, but that already sets in the mind or whatever, where how, cause Brant's whole thing was, I can't go in the bunker. I'm feeling the sand with my feet. Brant was already thinking that. You can call him a rookie caddy or a dumbass or a dipshit or whatever. He was thinking this ahead of time. That's a fact. He told me. And um, and then all of a sudden, when they get up to 18, Suguno's ball is in the bunker greenside. Um, and as they're walking up, I've seen this bunker very recently. Like, the sand blows out of it a bit. So it looks like it's sitting on kind of like a bare patch of turf or clay or something. And so while they were walking up to the bunker, Brant kind of mused out loud, hey, it looks like the sand blew out from under the ball. That's all he did. And Zagundo, walking towards the flag, lazily just kind of said to him, hey, go check it out. And then, boom, he touched, touched it. That. Just absent-minded, one of those, boop, boop, and just touched it. it. It was a brain fart. It still was a brain fart to, to the nth degree. There was no getting around that because everyone's like, how could that happen? I'm like, brain farts happen to everybody. But ultimately, I was covering a match for NBC as a spotter. Earlier, it was uh, Osborne versus Lindell. And Osborne went up like five holes in the first six. So he was just slapping around the whole time playing cat and mouse. Osborne, who wound up losing to Strafacci in the final, uh, he was that kid from uh, SMU or whatever who kept eating ice cream cookie sandwiches or whatever. That was his story for the week or something. He uh, beat Lindell on the 13th green at Bandon, which I'm like, oh, perfect. That means I can walk up 18 Ferry, the shortest yeah. walk, and just walk right back to the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. And as I'm walking up to 18 green, I see all these officials standing around the green oh, that looks no. like state police or secret service. Like all the, all the people wearing their blazers with their tie and their Oxford shirt. They touched the sand. And they're like brown Oxford shoes and like, you know, whatever. And, and they're all standing there with their hats on their earpieces. And I'm just kind of like, what's going on? And I see people getting interviewed behind the green. I look over to this hill on my left and I see a fellow caddy buddy of mine, Bullfrog, sitting up there. Sorry? Bullfrog. Okay. His, his, his real name's Jeremiah Romero, but hey, when he was born, they named him Bullfrog, and he's, that's his moniker. He's Bullfrog. Wow. <laughs> he's on Twitter. I'll get you in touch with him. He's hey, a, what's he's up, a really ladies? Cool I'm guy. Bullfrog. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Bullfrog's sitting like all zenful Indian style on the hill, just like watching like this, and I'm just like, hey, frog, let's walk in together. Come on. He saw the whole thing, but he didn't say a word. We're walking up to the big Rolex clock by the starter shed right outside the main lodge of Bandon Dunes, and I see Brant. This is during COVID. I got my mask up. I come up to Brant all like, hey, Brant, how you doing, man? Did you have a good day today? How'd your match yeah. turn out? I'm all bobbing around and being dumbass jovial. And he looks like he just saw a ghost. And he just, and evidently the thing was he denied touching the sand before yeah, that. Yeah, that was a problem. Well, I think that was a panic move mentally, really, because when I walked up to him, okay, technically speaking, I'm the first person who heard he admitted touches the sand because he, he sounded like Rain Man. He looked like a ghost and he just like was looking past me going, I touched the sand. I touched the sand. I touched the sand. And I remember... I just felt real small in that moment. I got, and I just looked over at Bullfrog and Bullfrog's not moving. And I just kind of tapped Brand on the chest. I'm like, you know, you can't do that, bud. Like, that really sucks, dude. Then all of a sudden, McKee's Pub, another eatery on Bandon, it's about 50 yards away. I can't see it, but, but I'm right there. All of a sudden, I hear all these voices from McKee's Pub yelling, Jerry, get the fuck off TV! And I'm just like, what's going on? And then like 10 minutes later, a Twitter follower of mine took a screenshot of Golf Channel and it shows me and Bullfrog talking to Brant as he's explaining to us what uh-huh. happened. And I'm just like, oh, oh we got to get out of here. So yeah. long story boring, I get a phone call finally four days later from Brant. He's holed up in his house, shutters drawn. He's got paparazzi outside his house. 
He's got the Dan Patrick show calling. He's got Sports Center calling. He's got Phil Mickelson texting him saying, quote unquote, it's a bullshit rule. We're working on it, bud. Keep your head up. Hope to see you on tour soon. Wow. Phil Mickelson texted Brant this and he didn't have, how did he get Brant's number? I mean, Brant calls me three, four days later, explains everything. And it's a really tough scene because it's just tough hearing one of your friends appear of the same age. Like he was like practically bawling on the phone. Yeah. I mean, I think I got a little emotional too. It was just one of those, like, I just, cause I didn't know how to help him, whatever. What I kept telling him though was Brant, you're going to, you're about to become the most popular caddy out here. Everyone's going to know you. Everyone's Everyone's going to know you. Even I got in touch with Matt Janella on Twitter and Matt Janella comes every February for a huge little tournament that he does at Bannon Dunes or a little get together. And I got Matt and Brant connected. I'm like, let's do a real redemption story here. Let's let Mr. Golf have Brant as a caddy. And it worked. And that happened. Brant started balling again. <clears throat> he was making tons of money. He was showing me his $12,000 watch and whatnot. I mean, he was, yeah. I could tell when he was maybe a little intoxicated or possibly on something because he'd be a little more hyper than usual, a little more interactive. And then all of a sudden, this was actually, I guess, just about a year ago, I heard that he got terminated. Like in like not in de- well indefinitely because usually if you get busted your first time your serious first your first firing is a six month suspension, but you can get fired outright. And I guess Brant was uh, I'm not talking outside of school. Everyone's already said this or whatever. But I guess Brant was one of those caddies where if you if the golfers were going to the snack bar and not like or not ordering drinks or whatever, he'd be like, "Give me two double transfusions. I'll, I'll meet you on the orange cheese because you guys should be playing from up there." I mean. He just kind of got a little hyperactive with it, and I think his last loop was Condoleezza Rice, and he had a, he, she had him for one day and fired him. Didn't see him after that, and then three weeks later, uh, I guess he got into a really bad car accident, and my latest update I know now is he might be stable enough to go to rehab or something, but that's the end of the Brant Brewer story. Oh, well, we all love a happy ending, jeez. <laughs> I wish I hadn't asked about that now. Um, it's a it's a story worth telling that I I'm not I'm not saying I'm only one in possession of like the facts, but I'm I yeah. am the only one in possession of some of the facts. Yeah, I mean, for sure. No, and I'm not yeah. about to write a book or anything. So no, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's really interesting when you get these sort of amateur events or professional events that amateur caddies and people are caddying in, um, and there's there's certain rules that you have to know. Like for example, when I first caddied in tour, the golfer. So, say the, the, the rake was lying inside the bunker. I had no idea that he had to put his foot in the sand first, and then I could pull the rake out. Because oh, otherwise sense. it was seen as testing the sand. Like, mm-hmm. do me a favor. And I think they've changed that since. So he could, his problem was putting his hand to it. Um, but you see even even now how the rules have changed, how you can... You know, hit the sand after now. That used to be penalty stroke, correct? Yeah, you, you can you can test your club now, and I mean they're not causal hazards anymore. They're called penalty areas. Yeah. You can ground your club in a penalty area. Yeah, and just the uh, the rules between stroke play and match play. Going back to the story that you told, I remember I was playing the the Arizona Am, the Arizona Amateur in Tucson, the shithole of Arizona. <laughs> um, I didn't shoot thirty three fifty this time. I shot like. Uh, maybe like 66, 78 and missed the cut. Um, but I ended up catting. So how the Arizona amateur work, it's 144 people, two days of stroke play. Then they do, um, top 64 match play, then, um, head on head all the way in. My buddy ended up making it, uh, to the final match and it's, uh, 36 holes. And he was, we were, we were maybe down like, no, I think it's, it's, it's 18 holes, but he was like six down after nine. 
ends up fighting all the way back. We go to like to 18, all square. It's a uh, par four up the hill. Uh, we both hit our tee balls kind of um, on the green near the same area. He goes to mark his ball, not his ball. Match play, one stroke penalty. Stroke play, no penalty. Ends up losing by one stroke just because of that incident. But see, my thing is in the spirit of match play, because I remember the guy was a cock. Okay, well, well, that that's kind of how the whistle got blown on Brant was Strafacci's caddy was his dad, Frank, yep. and we were ripping him a new one the whole time, calling him daddy or whatever. Because he would he, anytime somebody like whisper or whatever, he'd look at it, he'd give you the look or whatever. I mean, he was yeah. the same exact thing I would do if I was caddying for my son in the U.S. Amateur, probably. But ultimately, he was the one who like all of a sudden started screaming about Brant. And in the end, uh, Strafacci and uh, Segundo didn't want to. Strafacci didn't want to incur the penalty. He didn't. Yeah. He even said, "This isn't right. This isn't. This isn't the way this should end." Yeah. And I thought, I know there's rules and letter of the law when it comes to stroke and match play or whatever. But I thought, isn't the whole spirit of it? It's between you and me. And if you don't want to penalize me, or you want to let no. me take a free yeah. drop, I can. We're Your not brain, playing the field. What, what he? Well, yeah, he he didn't want to incur it. What he should have done was there's a famous football match between my team Aston Villa and Leeds United. And Leeds scored a goal, and the manager of Leeds said, "No, no, 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 that's not going to work." And he told, he instructed his team to allow us to score. Yeah. Well, they missed out in the playoffs, by the way, that year, and we ended up. I think we actually got promoted back to the Premier League. That's a huge, like that. You're talking television rights and everything. Huge money. So if your boy Strafacci didn't want to incur the penalty, he should have just. Kind of chipped it along the ground. That's a good point. Yeah, you should have kicked but it. Yeah. He's never going to do that. He's never going to do that. Of course, because not, he no. wants to win. No, you know. So, like, the people can say, "Oh, I didn't want to do it." Well, if you didn't want to do it, you should have just, you know, dribbled it, kicked your ball, yeah, and carved your own stroke penalty. But I, I remember it's the. It was all caught in camera because I did a YouTube video about it. Um, yeah, there's a Cessna was, buzzing overhead, and it, it was, was right over, <laughs> right it, over. Him. It was the. It was how quick the father came across. I remember. He should have been a little more cool and just maybe just had a quiet word. Uh, not Frank. But, not Frank. We all hate Frank. Okay, Frank. <laughs> Frank's a bell end. Um, yes. <laughs> tell bell end of the week. <laughs> retrospectively. Is that a segment? Is that a segment? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got you some know. competition this week. He does. Mm. He does. But tell me, what's the, what's the one of the funniest things you've ever seen? A couple of the funniest things you've seen caddying out here. It, it's fu- it, I can't think of like the funniest things per se. I mean, I've seen odd. Like I've seen an osprey rip the head off a crow. I've seen... <laughs> Like uh, the your remnants, the re- what? I was going to say your stories are all happy ending, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, strip club, strip club uh, burning down. It's, just, it's, it's the nature of the area. <laughs> I, I, I'm, get, I'm getting the impression there's something optim- in the water. I'm optimistic before you hit the ball, but I mean, I have to try to be optimistic the whole so time. So it's teeing off of the 13th of Pacific, and it just uh, the whole, the Earth just slides back down into the ocean. Well, we we actually did have a slide on 16. At, this this isn't a bad story, or, or like a doom and so many dies at the end. <laughs> Not this one, no, but it could be in the future. But um, number 16 at Sheep Ranch, that famous par yeah. three. Where oh, which by the way, can I debunk another thing on this show? Yeah, go on. You guys, everyone's seen the video of the lady who putted in the hole-in-one from that tee or whatever? Everyone, half the golfers I, I caddy for ask about it. They're like, oh, isn't this the hole where that girl putted in for an ace? You guys, are you I don't, guys I don't really, I don't spend any time in social media. I've never media. seen the video either. I just know but. the facts of the matter. Number one, if you want to putt that hole, you can only putt from the forward tees. It, okay. That's the only way it works. Number two, she hit somebody's golf ball and it careened 20 feet into the hole. So uh. there's a lot of caveats there, folks, before you start jerking off all over YouTube. <laughs> I heard that. That's what everyone's hat blows off. Yeah, there, there's uh, several dozen hats. Oh, actually, I almost fell off the cliff there playing in March. 
Like I, yeah. I was playing with a couple caddies and one of the caddies' dads, and we scheduled it well ahead of time. So I'm like, oh, we got a noon tea time at Sheep Ranch, like carte blanche. Like I mean, yeah. like we don't have to go to the office. To t- this feels kind of nice. 16 green for anyone who doesn't know at Sheep Ranch. It's the westernmost golf hole in continental America, not counting Alaska or Hawaii. It's the fourth westernmost point of the continent, continental America period, or fifth, um, and thus making it the windiest hole. Everyone hit the three guys in my group hit their shots in the green. I kind of chunk mine a little short left, and there's no sand bunkers out there. It's all grass bunkers now because they just couldn't keep the sand in there. So yeah. neat little gimmick people like. So I, I get to my ball and I'm like on this like pretty thick rough that I could tell is just like a foot of just matted grass and like nothing below me and then the gorse and the cliff. So I'm like, I, I just get all ballsy. I'm like, I size up this little shot. I'm only like 40 feet from the hole, but I got to hit this high chip and I'm sitting here going like, I got to get hard, hit it hard because I got no room and I hit it and I pop it like 80 feet over the flag. So everyone's watching the ball. And I lose my balance, and I go to take a step, and I realize, nope, that's the cliff. There. I go to take another step, nope, that's the cliff. So I throw the club, and I just lay down in the grass right next to me. <laughs> and Connor, the caddy, turns around and looks at me. He's just like, Jerry, why are you laying down? And I'm sitting there like on my face out of breath, like, you have no idea what just happened. I almost just <laughs> fell off the cliff. I nearly died. Um, what are, what's your playing, playing privilege for caddies do you guys get? So our policy is um, it's free to play, but really the number one golden rule is Gordon doesn't know what that word is inside the gates of Monterey. Hey, I understand that. I, I remember when I, I was when I played Spyglass last year um, with Jennifer. That was the day I laid the debit card down at the register. And after two rounds of golf, caddy for both of us, I bought a personalized bag tag, a couple hoodies. I was like fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it ain't cheap yeah. there. But um, uh, sorry, what was the um? So you, it's free to play. Oh yeah, free to play. I'm sorry. Um, the golden rule. But ultimately, the golden rule is if you take the day off. Well, I shouldn't say that. If they need caddies that day, you, go to work. you probably already know not to ask to play golf. And if you do, that's probably just going to get you a few mental negative points amongst the office or whatever. But like when you, when you saw my schedule, my unchecked boxes, if I have unchecked boxes, you damn well better believe I'm not going to try go play golf at work. Like they don't yeah. want to see you at the range yeah. if you take a day off. Like if you're available to work and they know it, they want to see They're you working. Use you. If you uncheck your days and you don't work. It's a no questions asked situation. Like we got lots of parents, you know, dropping off kids, picking up kids. Hell, there's everything in this county closes after 6 p.m. You know, you got to make doctor's appointments, go to the post office. I mean, it's yeah. still kind of old fat, old fashioned around here. So you get a play for free and it's usually has to be well into the afternoon after most of the tea times. Like you'll go into the office and ask them, hey, is there anywhere open this afternoon? And they'll tell you like, well, Bandon's open from three o'clock on trails is open right now and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So but it's it's free. That's tremendous. And can you take guests or is that just... Yeah, actually, we can. Um, I've seen more often than not that uh, if I have a friend who plays with me and I make sure I go through all the proper channels, the friend probably gets to play for free, or at least I've witnessed that more than once. Yeah. yeah. You want to play? You know something? <laughs> you sticking around next, for a week? <laughs> yeah. Ne- ne- next time we're back, I wouldn't mind doing some video stuff. Mm. We'll speak to the office as well about that. Um, maybe do an episode of the podcast. Are you familiar with any of the guys who come down to do the Looper Cup? Do you know any of those yes, guys? I do. Okay. I know a bunch of those guys. So they'd mentioned it. I just, it's tough for me with schedule. Oh, sure. Um, well, pl- I try to qualify for the Looper Cup every year. And that's oh, you guys, have, you guys qualify? Oh, I guess it's here. So you have to qualify. <laughs> well, Down there, they're, they're just struggling to find four guys that'll come up. Oh, well, see, in our, that's one of the annoying things is about being a caddy is every golfer assumes I'm a scratch golfer. And as much as I could bullshit or lie or have fun with that or whatever, yeah. I'm not. I'm an eight handicap. I'm pretty averagely crappy. I'm just, yeah. I'm just corporately right in the middle. But I would say there's at least, out of our 500 caddies, I might be overshooting it. 25 to 50 of them are probably four or better at handicap. Mm-hmm. 
Like there is one caddy in particular where I call him the Steph Curry of golf. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't think we're friends right now. But he, anytime he's 100 to 200 yards out on a shot and he's about to hit full swing, I'll nudge whoever's next to me saying, he could make this. Yeah. And I can't say that about any tour pros I've ever seen. But like watching this guy, it's like, oh, he's just electric. He'll yeah. stick it to two inches. Doesn't matter where he is. He's just good. Have you ever had a hole in one? I've had two. Oh, greedy. Didn't see, well, didn't see either one. I'm greedy as I, I need a third and I have to see it go have in. See it. Where, where, where was, <laughs> was this? It, was it uphill or you fucked up? <laughs> Uh, no, the first one was at my home club, which is the, if I can brag, the only private club in the county <laughs> is because it belongs, it belongs to an Elks Lodge. Oh, really? And it's only nine holes of executive unmowed golf. And <laughs> if you're not wearing jeans or an uncolored shirt, not tucked in, you're Leave. looked at funny. You're looked at funny. Like they know I wear slacks there, but I ran that place for seven months and it was hell. But I mean, they let me do what I want to do. But, um, the first ace I had was on the hardest par three they have there. It was 215 yards. No roll. If I don't know low, what you, happened. You, you probably got to land it in yeah. the hole if it's not even mowed. Well, let me put it this way. When the stimp out there gets up to six, yeah. all the people out there are like, oh my God, this is lightning. And I'm just like, you guys, you guys need to travel a bit. You need yeah. to get out a little. Go to Bandon Crossings. It's a public course. So you can go experience a nine on the stimp and, yeah. and, and get back to me. But Shag carpet. So, uh, but brilliant. all I remember from the shot was it was a four iron and I hit it hit it good and i'm like oh that's a fade because i normally pull the ball so i'm like oh that's a fade and it's going towards the hole and this kid this redneck kid i was playing with uh uh cody you're gonna listen to this cody <laughs> redneck cody <laughs> he doesn't believe he's redneck i told him he has an accent he's like i don't have a fucking accent i'm like yeah you do he's like man you don't know what i sound like he's like no that's how you sound yeah um and you married your sister <laughs> No, Cody, cousin, I don't think cousin. you did. I know Cody, you're single. So, anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, he said, he, the the famous quote between he and I now is uh, he said you overshot the green, and I'm just like, no, yeah. I didn't. It's two fifteen, and I hit my two hundred yard club. Meanwhile, he duck hooks two three woods into the like briar bushes. So by the time I get to the cup to check if it's mine, it's been like twelve minutes, and we're uh, the only two people on the course. That was number one. So I got to buy him a drink, and the drink I chose, the bartender PDR. messed up. We got like funny rum drinks or something. Like I asked for a rum and squirt. Cody sounds and they like a PBR kind of guy. Nah, he doesn't. Drink, he doesn't drink his beer. Nah, nah. But um, but then I remember the only other witness we had was this one person staying at their RV. They were sitting out front with their lawn chair, and they're like, "This was the sixth hole." So when we it came back around the nine, they're just like, "Who was yelling the f word so much?" I'm like, "That was me. I got an ace." So there's my other witness. Somebody yeah. heard me screaming the f word like 18 times. <laughs> and the second one was at night and day difference. It was at Bandon Preserve, the short par three course. Oh, and the pin was in the back, and it was eighty yards. Oh dear! But however, and and I want to give him a shout out because uh, yeah, our mutual will. friend Nick Pretorius, you yeah, talked to yeah, this guy, yeah, yeah. Nikki P. I love you, buddy. I miss you. Um, it was me, him, and a couple of caddies. It was uh, Melt and uh, Jared Heeman. We're playing foursome at, uh, at at Preserve. It's a sixty-yard hole, but the pin's in the back. You can't see it. It boomerangs into like a big bowl, so you can barely see like the top of the flag, even though it's eighty yards. And uh, two of the guys, um, Nick and I think it was Melt, they shank theirs on an 80-yard shot. Nice. Me And I remember standing there going, 80 yards. I know what club I'm going to hit, but I, I hate this. This is, not what I, this is my least favorite shot. And when I hit it, it was straight at it. I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't care where it is, but thank God. And then Heeman, he hit one that was right at it, too. Cool. So two were tight. Two were gone. As we're walking up to the green, this is probably my coolest feeling golf moment ever. We're walking around the corner, and I'm pretty sure Nick's in front of me because he's, he's an excitable type. And uh, we get around the corner and we see one golf ball that far from the hole and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I can see from about 50 feet away that that golf ball by the hole is a Bridgestone. Yeah. And Jerry's playing a Pro V. 
<laughs> and so before, like as Nick's run up, like somebody got an ace, like he's already taking yeah. his clothes off, like somebody's got an ace, somebody's got an ace, and it wasn't him. I start doing the Conor McGregor strut, like oh, it's me. <laughs> like I had four seconds of glory where I'm like, I'll never get to act like this again. Just seize the moment, and they give you a plaque, even if you ace a tiny little hole at the preserve, they give you a nice little plaque. It's in my my podcast, my singular podcast studio over there. So you and Zabo would get on very well um, because the par three course <laughs> doesn't really count for many people. Well, I, I get that. Th- I, you know, my golfers say we're talking about that. They're, they're just like, does that really count? I mean, yeah. there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways you can slice it. And the way I see it, I didn't see either one go in. So I don't feel like I've earned anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what's your best ever score? Uh, <laughs> Over at the Elks Lodge, like 37. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're already halfway there. Um, yeah, there you go. The Elks is... And I guess I don't mind saying this publicly because my whole rule is if I ever share the scores I play at the Elks, I never say what par is. Everyone knows yeah. it's a nine-hole rinky-dink course, and I'll share the scores I shoot, but I yeah. never say what it is relative to par. <laughs> my lowest 18-hole score ever is a 69 uh-huh. at the Elks, but par- the 18 holes is par 66. Six. It's 33-33. So. Not and I think not that bad. I think that was with a 30 on the front. So, I mean, I was, yeah. I was trying to do something, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's tasty. Uh, okay, well, we've come up to bang on our, our hour. We have no time for mailbag questions. All we have to do are our shout-outs now. Um, you need to let us know how we can find you on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is my only thing I use. Uh, it's at Jerry Lou Looper. My Venmo is also at Jerry Lou Looper, but uh, other than that, there's really <laughs> nothing to... It's as I, I would say it's Jerry Lou Looper across all boards, but there's really only two. I was going to be like, that's a real caddy there. You know what I mean? He's like looking I'm tempted for... to put my Venmo on my Twitter bio, honestly, because I... who's to say you don't get 10 bucks somewhere? Put I... it on your caddy bib with a, a QR code. There you go. That's what QR strippers... code's the next thing. That, that, say, that's what strippers do now on their heels. I've seen it. Oh, they don't get the tattoo? Ooh, they oh, they can do wow. that too. That's hilarious. That's, that's, inflation... that's, that's literally branding yourself. That <laughs> no, really is. Um, spell Jerry. Uh, it's uh, J-E-R-R-Y-L-O-U. Looper, L-O-O-P-E-R. Jerry Lee Looper, excellent. And if anyone wants to contact you or follow uh, Jerry, uh, get in contact with him if you're coming up to Bandon Dunes, and, uh, and he'll he'll hook you up. Chris, shout outs. I'll shout out the Whisper Rock boys that have come up here during the summer. Yeah, yeah, say and, all their names. Help yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah, I got I got Mark Martinez, Castles, I think Shanks. Yeah, they do. Yeah, six months, six months Wait, in beautiful Scottsdale. Shanks? Yeah. Robbie Shanks? Oh, my bad. Never mind. Maybe. Nope. We'll see. We have a guy named Robbie Shanks. That's his last name. Ooh, he's and, and he's been another, here forever. He's so got to compete know. with another Shanks then. Well, I didn't know. Well, I was about to say, like, Robbie, if you're listening, why are you going to Whisper Rock? I thought you pretty much, right. like, broke ground at Bandon. <laughs> can't, oh, can't, can't forget Bullfrog. Oh, yeah. Bullfrog. No, Bullfrog. Bullfrog. Does Bullfrog play down at the Elks? Oh, yeah. We, we actually were initiated oh. in the same membership class. That's yeah. brilliant. That's cool. That, and, and, and you know what? And this is, this is publicly, if anyone wants to know this about Bullfrog. He is permanently my partner anytime I play because he has we have the same handicap. And Bullfrog, you have the jankiest ass approach to golf. Everyone knows it and I tell everyone about it. Like your setup, your everything, whatever. But I'm sick of losing to you. That's why you're my teammate now all the time. I think I just matched with the girl from Bachelor's Inn. <laughs> I think that I'm, is I, oh, we didn't say the name. That is the name of the strip club, folks. I think I think I'm the eighth hottest girl in this town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just heard it for the first time ever the other day, like two months ago. Somebody called it Mandon, Oregon. I'm like, oh, that's so... Yeah. Take it from the guy, the first guy yeah. in my high school to date to other high schools because it's like, yeah, this yeah. pond's been fished. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a... That's um, too funny. Uh, do you have a specialty name on your, your caddy bib? No, we, we don't have bibs. No, 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 no,
No, our jumpers are supposed to be left white. I'd yeah. love to put a patch on them, or we could put a name, but no, our, they're, we they're got white. Names, yeah, okay. We, we got a pocket pockets. That's you it. should at least. I have was going to say. I think. I think if you start it, and uh, I think it'll catch on. I think if I, I think if I start it, I get fired. That's how yeah. like fascist they can behave. Yeah. yeah. See, I. And hey, sorry. Hey, if anyone from the band and caddy management office is listening, you know this or whatever, but. <laughs> They're really nice people, but they're so stressed out and everything's just such a mess in there that anytime I want to go tell them, hey, my golfers are at 150, not 140, you're just throwing sand into the gears. Like that, yeah. they'll sit there and like their brain will flip over before they'll yeah. be like, okay, I'm sorry, what were you saying? It's like, yeah. I'm sorry, you were stressed out about something sorry, before. I shouldn't have said yeah. this. <laughs> Huge caddy programs anywhere it is, there's not enough people organizing. You're also dealing with a bunch of divas. Caddies are, are, the, caddies, are caddies for a reason, and it's because they can't really function. And normal think, life. I think I'd be working at Napa Auto Parts, yeah. like behind the desk. I don't part time. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what else I'd be doing for a living. I was going to say it'd be part time because you couldn't do full time and be told what to do. On a, well, because I'd be on the time. grid. No, I'm trying to stay off the grid. Like, off this the is the grid. most public thing I'm doing see, with you right now. See, the last thing I want to ask you before I, we wrap up is um, what, what are the top three annoying things that golfers do? Uh, one of them in particular, not too many people do this. I had a guy ask me 10 times on the backside when I shot the yardage with the gun. He said, uh, What's the slope? And I never look at slope because yeah. I, I shoot the number and I just factor it in because what I've used slope before I looked at it, it's actually grossly inaccurate. Like yeah. I've had one time it was 75 yards. It said playing 78. It's like I've sunk the shot before and I played a 90 yard shot. Yeah. This is way off. So that's one of them. It's, it's pretty just, much two hole in ones now because the first one was on 80 yards. Hey, for the record, I've holed out from many yardages that weren't the T for many different yeah, scores. It's like, a lot. Lots of those. It's a lot cheaper too. <laughs> exactly. There's a, it's type A personalities. Okay. You don't really see that with too many women. Like you might have a few like princess type women, but most of the women I caddy for are my favorites. And um, it's just the whole. Like, I mean, another caddy was saying to me recently. They're just like, "What happens when a golfer looks at you when they hit a putt bad and you gave him a re?" Well, like you guys were saying on the last episode I listened to, like, "What happens when the golfer looks at you with disgust or whatever?" In the end, I looked at like hundred percent of you are bad putters. And when you're looking at me with disgust, I'm just staring straight ahead like Spicoli into the distance, just like, "All right, I'm ready for the next one." I mean, yeah. uh. The guys, something that annoys me personally, and it stems to something bigger real quick, is anytime we're on a tee of a par four and the golfer says, what's the yardage here? Like, I know you're trying to think of your layup number, but in Lynx golf, layups do not matter because mm -hmm. I have to do three more levels of math and maybe we'll get you to your layup yardage, but it's windy for your first shot. It's going to be windy for your layup and yeah. then some shit in between. It's just tough to do. But it's like, I just look at like, hey, how about you just think one thing at a time, which is my overarching point. Like golfers who... We'd be in the 10 fairway somewhere and a golfer would be like, where's the next hole? I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter where the next <laughs> yeah. hole is. It doesn't. You, you focus on this next 120 yard shot, yeah. then your putt, yeah. then I'll tell you where the next hole is. Wh whose ball is that? Who, who cares whose ball it is? That no, that's another one. Whose just ball like, is oh, that? What, 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 what did he have on that hole? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not caddying for him. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you're in a match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What, what annoys you, Chris? The, the last couple of times, like, I'll, like if I'm forecatting, I'll, I'll try and be one steps ahead as many times as possible. I'll go ahead, fix fits their pitch marks, um, and then I'll go ahead and clean the ball. I'll already and line it up for where I think it goes. They roll up to the green, mark their ball, throw it to me, and have me clean it again. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you at least saw me do at least half of what I just did. So it's just kind of redoing stuff that i've already done but other than that i'm trying to be pretty happy-go-lucky about it i got one more funny one for you that i that Go happened on. a few months ago that every caddy i tell every golfer i tell they're just like what i had a guy refuse the putter walk oh yeah he, like he he's in his late 20s he's a dermatologist i'm trying to create a stereotype about dermatologists here like yeah. but he's the only one i ever worked for but uh because yeah. like 
engineers don't golf. They're too smart to golf, and thank God, because uh-huh. every engineer I have who golfs, it's like, oh, this is going to be a headache. They're going to be Bryson's. Uh, yeah. Well, you hope hey, Bryson. I need. You my hope pro- you're as good as Bryson. But <laughs> I need my protractor. I need my. This guy. Um, he never had a caddy before. Nice fella. His nice enough fella. His partner was even nicer. Good skin. He. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good skin. All covered Great up. Great skin. Uh, UV rays hitting you at all times. Um, but he. Uh, he hit like I don't even know if it was a long par three or whatever. He hit a 200 yard shot. There was an unlikely shot, and he wound up on the green. And I handed him his putter, and he just kind of looks at me blankly and goes, "What's that for?" I said, it's like what the pros do, baby. You just hit a nice long shot. You get to walk up with your putter, feel like a pro and enjoy it. And he's just like, oh, okay. So I turn to go back to the other golf and be like, all right, so it's 225 yards. Yeah. And I hear behind me, Funk. Back in the box. And so I'm just like, all right, you ain't getting that anymore, dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't want to feel like a pro. You don't want to be treated nice. Okay. Yeah. It, like the Tom Segura joke, holding the door open for the one-armed man. He's just like, I don't need help. Okay. <laughs> well, it, we like doing it because it lightens the bag. It's proactive. Oh yeah. You know? One thing I've noticed that's really hate, can't stand lately is uh, everyone takes a gimme until they get to the 18th, and all of a sudden the gimme on the 18th they want to finish out the round. We see a lot of grinders, man. Oh well, I've been told I be, I give too many gimmies, like as a player. So I mean, and as a caddy, no. I don't say a word. I mean, we're we're trying to knock them back, but I mean, in yeah. the end, I'm I'll kick back the ball that I shouldn't have because that's what that was Frank's double bogey, net bogey, and that means everything. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I've seen plenty of things about it like that. And I don't mean Frank the caddy. I mean, Frank's the colloquial term I use for every golfer, generic golfer. Oh, like Johnny Hack. I'll just be like, Frank! Yeah, Johnny Hack. Yeah, there you Johnny go. Johnny Hack. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, listen, we got to go. Chris, thank you for your time. Thanks for driving on this trip. We as got well. nine more hours to go, baby. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, Jerry, thank you very much. Um, hopefully, you will do this again at some point, either this year or, or, or next year. We'll come up and get a couple of games of golf. Um, I do travel to San Diego at least one to two times a year, and perfect. I try to drive. So, I mean, who's to say we don't cruise through Monterey again? Do it in Monterey. I can't wait for it. Um, all the listeners, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you get out there and uh, listen to all the previous episodes. One thing we hadn't mentioned, you you have a couple of podcasts. <laughs> Come on, tell, tell the listeners, this is your chance. Double uh, up, baby. Yeah, Double yeah, because you guys probably, yeah. Um, uh, I do a podcast called The Bomb Squad Podcast the with Bomb my Squad. co-host uh, Smitty. Uh, he's a scratch golfer up in Canada. Great fella. He wears dad shoes. And um, great guy though. Great guy. And the other one, which actually I'm kind of like happy I see this podcast. Uh, the network director for that podcast, uh, he said um, you should do a solo caddy show like Joe Rogan style, okay. and we called it the loudest looper. Yeah. And on this very table, me and Nick Pretoria sat in there and had a four hour podcast because I forgot to hit record for the first ninety minutes. Oh, no. We drank two, one whole bottle of whiskey at least. Smoked like five blunts, and there was at least one point in the recording where he listened to the recording and said, "I got to quit drinking." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe you do." <laughs> There's one point in the recording where, like, I even took pictures of it. He's holding the microphone, he's trying to eat, and for 45 seconds, like, Jerry, let me tell you something. Let me t- Jer- let me just tell you, Tiger Woods. Let me tell you something, Jerry. <laughs> Think about Tiger. Let me tell you something, Jerry. <laughs> so, well, you know, this <laughs> a lot of editing was not. <laughs> so it's, it's it's called the loudest caddy, the loudest looper, the loudest looper, and the bomb squad. But the loudest looper, I haven't done an episode in like. 13 14 months and hearing okay. podcasts like this which you catch up on it my, my whole criteria about the loudest looper is you have to have at least caddied one round in your life yeah. to be a guest yeah so a well, lot of people are like can i be on your show i'm like no you can't because but you guys are already doing this you're already doing like the caddy talks. So. there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that are looking for extra podcasts and extra things to listen to um but i understand that i remember the second one i ever did it was the the day after the, the masters when molinari won won it oh and i did it with neil and uh, we, we were both overserved, <laughs> and we thought we played a home run. This thing was the best ever. 
and I, I go to edit it on the Tuesday, and I, within two minutes, I call him. I say, "We need to redo this." He goes, "No, no, 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 no it's fine, it's fine." I'm, oh, I said, "Neil, it's fine." He goes, "Well, let me listen to it." I said, "Neil, it's already deleted." I said, "I don't, I don't want anyone ever listening to this." I couldn't say Molinari's name. I was going, oh. Molin- Molinari. Oh, and, and just incredible from all we, we just walked, we just watched Wolf of Wall Street last night. He's on some level. Yeah. Oh, he's on the loot. <laughs> oh, dude, that was so bad. It was Donnie. Get out! <laughs> it was unbelievable. So I, I can feel you in that one. But uh, anyway, new listeners, there's about another ninety six episodes. So get out there, uh, listen to to the, the back catalogue. Follow Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that rubbish. Glorified donkey. If you look to buy any 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 swag, glorifieddonkey.com. Uh, until next time, enjoy your golf, but more importantly, keep it humble.